The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck. Like a rugged half-ton Tundra, workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. What's up, everybody? Mailbag show with some projections. I'm Adam Azer with the projection dudes, Heath Cummings and Chris Towers. We are going to go over some of their differences in their projections. And one thing that is exactly the same, they both have Jonathan Taylor 14th, and I'm going to ridicule them for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah get ready yeah. for it, everybody. Yeah. We're also going to tell you our favorite 17th game. Uh, the schedule, the dates of the games have not been released, but we know who the who each team is playing for their additional 17th game. I am not over it yet. I don't know. I don't know how to deal with this. Um, I am I'm really into 16 game paces, and that's over. Just it's just over. I don't. I I hate it. I, I'm, I'm glad. Upset. I thought we were going to have to rehash the uh, Mike Williams Will Fuller thing, and that You're was so the thing crazy, you went over. Uh, I mean, it like Heath. You know, I'm usually in line with a lot of your takes, but like that was no horrendous. Was he didn't even give a take? No, no, no. You said Will Fuller wouldn't even hasn't even had what? What was it? His best season wouldn't even be Mike Williams. Like statistically, Will Fuller's best season would be the third best season of Mike Williams' career. (laughs) Mike Williams has a thousand yard season and a ten touchdown season. Will Fuller's never played more than eleven games. Yeah, Will Fuller had had a better year this year than Mike Evans. Mike, Mike Williams, Williams ever had. You didn't even give a take. You just unquestionable. I forget. I'm not. You know. I'm not doing I don't it. Know what, not like, doing it. I lost sleep over it last availability night. Availability <laughs> is the best ability. So anyway, um, before we get to your emails, a few of them to start the show at fantasyfootball@cbsi.com. What's the best 17th game? And by the way, we don't think that I, I'd be shocked if this were Week 18. A lot, I think a lot of people feel like this is going to be the last game of the year for each team. I don't see why that's the case. I assume they're going to stay in division. Um, these could be randomly scheduled throughout the year, but best 17th game, Homer Heath. It's obviously the Chiefs and the Packers, and we can move on to whatever is next. <laughs> it's obviously the Chiefs and the Packers. Chris, what's the runner-up? Oh, I think it's definitely, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say, make a joke about Falcons, Jaguars, or Bears, Raiders, but uh, it's probably Rams, Ravens, I guess. Cardinals Browns. Yeah. Could be really good too. Yeah. I by the I Saints, think, Titans could be fun. So what they did for the 17th game is they took the division that each team faced in 2019 and they're facing them again. 
I don't think Mahomes played in that game, did he? We didn't get Mahomes Rogers, right? Uh, that yeah, there was like a a Monday night game or something that that yeah, we, we were robbed right? of Mahomes Rogers, as I recall. I will double check on that. Well, hopefully we get it this year. Hopefully we get it this year. I, I we were robbed of it uh, for the Super Bowl. I would like to have seen it for the Super. Bowl. Yeah, he missed two games that year. He got hurt against Denver, and then the following week was Green Bay, and then Minnesota. He missed those two games. Okay, a couple things to promote. It is madness time in the sports world. NCAA tournament, we got the final four. But if you're a diehard sports fan, you want to stay in the know with all sports. And that's where CBS Sports HQ is your streaming answer. Just think about what's on tap this week alone. We got the NFL draft and offseason coverage. We got MLB opening day, which is today. Yes, we're recording Wednesday, but this is Thursday as you're hearing this. Bellator 255 on Friday. Golf picks and highlights. And, of course, unmatched breaking news coverage. I could go on, but you get it, okay? CBS Sports HQ is the place to be. Sports never sleeps, and neither does CBS Sports HQ. If there's fantasy news, by the way, you'll see somebody from our staff on CBS Sports HQ breaking down the big news. Um, It's available on your computer, your phone via the CBS Sports app, and your connected TV. I leave it on all day. I watch it whenever I uh, have some spare time. Basically, I just pop on CBS Sports HQ. I get caught up on everything I need to know. And a big programming announcement. I'm not even sure if you two know this. Oh, NFL, excellent. I, I don't. NFL Draft, Thursday, April 29th. Five hours of live coverage. A one-hour pregame show, and we will be on YouTube the entire first round of the NFL Draft. I think it's just the three of us. And for part of it, it might just be the two of you. So, <laughs> All right. Yeah. Five like, hours of NFL Draft. When, when you have to go run outside and celebrate that the Giants took Kyle Pitts. <laughs> Well, I'm, no, I'm I just, glad. I'm going to have to prepare for the podcast after, so I might just leave you guys on for the last two hours or something. I'm I'm glad I got 30 days notice. Oh, There's by, a post-first round podcast as well. Yes, yeah, you're on that. Um, and by the way, <laughs> April Fools! Just kidding! No NFL draft show. Just wanted to it's mess with you a little not bit. April Fools. Well, I guess when people are listening to this, it will be. Yeah. Like yeah. the thing is, odds are I'm going to be on an NFL draft show. <laughs> there is going not, to be an NFL draft show. Not five hours, though. Not no, five hours. Probably not. Okay. Well, I hope if you're watching on YouTube, there was some yeah, Adam, look in you their just face. Gave, you just gave someone a bad idea. <laughs> a great idea. A great idea. <laughs> All right, let's get to the emails. Sorry, I know nobody wanted to do five um, I hours. I had one on quick other programming note on, it, on the draft. Yeah, because this isn't going to last, so I want to take advantage and get all the glory out of it that I can now. Um, <laughs> this is the way you approach success, kids. I am in second place now in this eight hundred and ninety person bracket <laughs> challenge, and if Gonzaga beats Houston for the title, I will win it. And um, I think you or Shraggy B, one of the two of you, should give me something if I do. I agree. Now, how do you lose? Um, if I think basically anything other than what I just said happens. Okay, so if Baylor because, beats Houston. Uh, Mr. Yaffe yeah. has Houston winning it all uh-huh. um, over Gonzaga, I believe. So basically, I need Houston to win, Gonzaga to win, and Gonzaga to beat Houston still. And that's the problem with picking complete chalk like I did is everything has to go perfect for you. Yeah, but you're in second place, so it can't be right. that bad. Uh, I am interested to know from college basketball enthusiasts if Gonzaga will go down as one of the all-time great teams if they finish out an undefeated season and win the championship and Heath wins three cars by winning the pool. I am, I'm 57th. This is the first time I've checked it since I 
uh, randomly selected my my team. So that's pretty good. Please good job, look, Chris. look where I am. I'm guessing somewhere in the 700s. Okay, look, look right to go sports line uh, optimal bracket. Hey, not bad. All right, Bryce from New Orleans. Uh, Curtis Samuel versus J.D. McKissick. I feel they are the, essentially the same player or at least similar play styles. Who would you all take in a full PPR league? Oh, I think they're very different. I think um, I think Curtis Samuel could be really, really good in this offense, and I think he has shown the ability to be a viable downfield threat. Um, in 2019 with the Panthers, he was like fourth or fifth in the NFL in air yards. He was wide open down the field all the time. They just couldn't get the ball anywhere close to him. That, that's the one thing I've not been clear on because I know like the air yard stat has been discussed a lot with Curtis Samuel that year. And I know the quarterback play was bad. The the wide open part, um, like was he or was that just a design of their offense and they were just winging it down the field? Like was uh, he like up there in separation or something that year as well? I don't have any numbers to back it up. He's he, he, um, no, I, I've I've seen some like <laughs> highlight packages with uh, like Matt a, Harmon. Like Matt Harmon likes him. So yeah, I think. like a significant number of plays where he was clearly open downfield. And obviously deep throws are always like, even at best, you're looking at like a 55% conversion rate, but his was like 20% or something, maybe even lower. The, there are similar in that like last year, maybe even a, a, a half or portion of last year was the first time that they've ever actually been particularly useful for fantasy. Um, I... I'm uncomfortable with Samuel, but I would much. I agree with Chris. I'd much rather draft him than McKissick. Now, I'm I'm very worried with the combination of Fitzpatrick and Curtis Samuel coming in. We'll talk about Gibson in a little bit. That the running back targets, especially if they continue to be split at all, um, are really going to dry up. Yeah, yeah, and you know, the version of Alex Smith we saw last year was maybe the most dump off happy quarterback we've yeah. ever seen. But McKissick, Patrick. McKissick, let me just wrap it up. I'm sorry, I should have told you this, yeah. but I want to go fast on these questions sure. here because I have a, this is a mailbag. I have a ton of questions, including Apple Podcast questions. Um, McKissick was second on the team with 110 targets. I did notice this, though. We have this narrative that we've been pushing that, Al, that Ryan Fitzpatrick doesn't throw to his running backs. Uh, he threw 29 times to Miles Gaskin in five games. Oh, and, yeah, I wasn't going to say he doesn't throw to his running backs it's more six games sorry six games yeah the yeah, fact that they're going to be splitting with them and the fact that you know the dolphins wide receiving core was pretty awful last season um and 29 times in six games is approximately five per game which would be 80 over a 16 game season last year the washington 17. football team well <laughs> but i'm comparing to last year so we're gonna talk 16 um last year the washington football team threw 161 passes to their running backs yeah, it's a lot. Okay, from Mark, um, can you chat about how your draft strategy would change in a 16-team PPR league, a redraft league, four point per passing touchdown, two wide receivers, two running backs, tight end flex? How does your strategy change in a 16-team league? I think, I don't know. I, I could look at it one of two ways. My first thought was I want to get two good running backs. My other thought, though, was given the fungibility of running backs and how much they get hurt anyway, in a league where there's no depth available on waivers, I kind of want to just ignore running back and be as good as I can everywhere else. Because even if I invest heavily in running back, 
in a 16 team league, I'm probably not going to have multiple running backs who I feel really good about. I would really, really, really like to draft Travis Kelsey in the first round. Um, I want an elite tight end and I, I'm leaning more towards what, where Chris was. I think that I want at least one really good running back, but I was thinking at first I might just take two running backs and a tight end in my first three picks. I want running back depth. Uh, I can only tell you about our PPR league with 14 team PPR league. Um, it's so hard to find running backs on waivers throughout the year. And in a 16 team league, it's impossible. And then when somebody becomes available, if you're doing waiver claims, it's one thing. If you're doing fab, I mean, everyone's going to be in on that backup running back. So, uh, right, there's an injury. So I want running back depth. It's the hardest position to find on the waiver wire. I would, I would make it a priority. I would want it. I would want four running backs that I would feel comfortable starting. And, uh, other than that, I wouldn't have much strategy, but I, I definitely see what you're saying about Kelsey. He's just a huge edge. Um, it's a bigger edge than having like an like Mahomes, you know, because there are just so few teams that are going to have a good tight end. And then again, you are going to be competing against a lot of teams that have terrible tight ends. So if you're bad at tight end in a 16-team league, maybe it's not that big of a deal because at least half the league is going to be bad at tight end. Well, that but you kind of have to be great everywhere. Okay, like, but, the, but the then way maybe I that's say is, don't don't go middle with tight end. You know, don't go like the sure. I don't think don't you should. St- I, I think spending up for the middle class of tight ends has historically been one of the worst investments you can make. All right, in let's end it there because uh, I agree with you. Good call um, from Colin. Hashtag conceived in Wyoming. That is all. That's disgusting. And Chris and Heath weren't on the show, but that's disgusting. Yeah. yeah, it's disgusting. Uh, from Jeff from Jace, Jacob Eason's and Chris Pratt's hometown. Were they conceived in Wyoming? <laughs> Jamie said I was, and that it just was just uncomfortable. Uh, what is to be done with James Conner in a dynasty league? I haven't heard. There hasn't been anything about him in free agency that I've heard. I don't want to drop him. Um, all you can do is hold. I think I took him in the ninth round of our non-PPR uh, startup mock today. Maybe been, maybe even a little later. He's but, still oh. 26 this year, right? Right. It just yeah. does. like He was kind of borderline, I think, in some teams' minds, other than the Steelers, who he was in yeah. their backyard. And is there another team besides them that wants to employ him as a starting running back? We don't know. And from Buck, I listened to your DraftKings cereal rundown with Mike, and I feel sorry for you all that you didn't experience Rice Krispie Treat cereal as a kid, and even more sad that you haven't had it as an adult. Uh, he then sent a link to Rice Krispie Treat cereal on Amazon, and it's unavailable. So it looks like it might be gone forever, but there is not a cereal close to this. A once-in-a-while kind of thing, not every day as an adult. Have you guys no, had I agree. That? Rice Krispie Treat cereal was very good. You had it? it? Was- yeah. It was just like clusters of Rice Krispies. I never had it with milk. It was just like a snack to eat. I don't really have um, box cereal. I can't remember the last time I did, but I eat. I was wondering, is this cereal granola with blueberries and yogurt? Mm-hmm. Technically, all mixed like together. I, I no. think granola is technically a cereal, but granola, cere- yogurt, and blueberries. No, nah, I'm saying no. I think it's like it's got the milk. In the yogurt, it's got the <laughs> it grain milk. and the granola. You throw a slice of fruit. cheese on there. Does that make it a cereal? <laughs> Give me a break. Well, that's a fair question, Adam. I'm going I'm to have a cheeseburger for, for breakfast. And What's that call soup it you eat that has the ice in it that you eat cold? Gazpacho? gazpacho? Yeah. That's cheese, right? I don't know. Is, Is that cereal? tomato soup? 
<laughs> I have no idea what gazpacho is. Okay, so what uh, I'm going to do a Twitter poll. Is this is the following considered cereal? I need you to tell me what it was again. Um, granola, yogurt, and it's whole milk yogurt, if that makes a difference. I'm not going to put that. <laughs> well, it is whole milk yogurt and blueberries. Okay, considered cereal. Okay, let's uh, let's get a little Twitter poll going here. Yes and no. Granola. I'm glad, you kept, I'm glad you kept shushing us on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get going here. <laughs> so we can spend six minutes talking about cereal. Projection. Oh, news and notes real quick here. Seattle signed Tyler Lockett to a four-year extension. He's actually in the show notes today with the projections. He has finished uh, on a per-game basis. Actually, not as good as you might think. His last three seasons, 21st, 22nd, and 16th in non-PPR, 24th, 22nd, and 12th in PPR, uh, but overall, because he plays every game, he's been a top 16 at worst uh, receiver at the end of the year. That's Tyler Lockett, four-year extension. They also signed Gabe Jackson, who they just acquired in a trade to a three-year contract extension. Pittsburgh signed Kalen Balaj. We were just talking about James Conner. Um, Benny Snell, in, in four games without James Conner, had 19, 19, 10, and 21 touches this is a team that just gives a, one guy a lot of work. What does Kalen Balaj mean to this backfield, if anything, Heath? I have no idea. Um, I don't think I'm. I've been kind of working with the assumption there's a few of these backfields where we still don't know who the lead running back in Pittsburgh is, and Kalen Balaj did not change that opinion of mine. Like we've had multiple reports from Steelers beat writers just tweeting little captions. I wouldn't expect Benny Snell to lead this team's backfield. I wouldn't expect, I don't think, I don't expect Kalen Balazs to lead this team's backfield. So I think they'll draft somebody. Okay. Let's go to the projections differences here. So you guys have your 17 game projections, which base, first of all, I'll let Heath, you, you guys can both talk about this. He'd have the first word. Uh, what was it like doing 17 game projections? It was kind of a pain because of the process that I go through. I think it was probably easier for Chris. Um, it looked like to me. Um, but no, I looked at your spread. That wasn't like that. Was, I know. Oh, no, no, no. It's just because I, I mean, I, you've put, you, you've done a lot more of the cleanup work for your projections so far, where mine are still very preliminary. Right. Uh, and so, like, I may go back and like tweak things for a 17 game season, but what I did was just divided by 16 and multiplied by 17, or just multiply by 105.8%. There you go. Is that what you did? Uh, no, I had to go in and change things on the team level. Um, and so that was a little bit more of a challenge, especially when it came to touchdowns, but we're all good. Okay. So two of the quarterback discrepancies, Daniel Jones and Matt Ryan, Chris has Daniel Jones. Was somebody jumping in there? It's really amazing. I feel like I, I sent like seven names and Chris sent <laughs> at least a dozen names and the very first name. People say, what does Heath have against Daniel Jones? Why is Heath always talking about Daniel Jones? I'm not being given a choice. No, what the hell? Are you serious? I, I, I didn't see you guys sent a bunch of names. Chris sent me a spreadsheet with the... Chris sent me one quarterback. It was Cam Newton? We've talked about him. A little, I don't know. They're not, like Cam Newton's not even going to be their starter, perhaps. Okay. Anyway, um, Daniel Jones. Well, Chris has him thirteenth. He has him twenty first. Fine. Yep. He'll be the you know what? No, he'll be the second guy we talk about. Matt Ryan. <laughs> Chris has him fourteenth, and he has him twenty seventh. Chris, fourteenth on Matt Ryan. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, in going over this the last couple of days, I think what it comes down to essentially is um, a difference in what the expectation of Arthur Smith's uh, role and impact as the head coach of the Falcons will be. And, you know, the hardest thing about projections is the team totals for passes and runs. That's the thing that fluctuates most for teams because it's not just based on what the offensive coordinator wants to do or what the head coach wants to do. If you get hurt, if you get injuries on defense, you're going to throw more probably like, um, so my underlying assumption is that the Falcons are still going to be extremely pass heavy just because, uh, I don't think they're going to be able to run the ball, especially well with, with Mike Davis. I don't think he's a guy that you feed it to 18 times a game. And, uh, I still think the, the strength of that offense is in the passing game. So I would think that, Arthur Smith is a good enough head coach to understand that it's not about your philosophy. It's about the talent that you have. Yeah, that's why, as I had sent a note about this, um, we're 90 pass attempts for the team apart. Chris has yeah. the Falcons leading the NFL in passing in pass attempts. And I, I had them third, but yeah. Okay. And I have, when I sorted by pass attempts, it showed Matt Ryan with the most, there may have been a sure. team you have sharing. Um, and I've got him 24th. And I've got them throwing like 30% more passes than an Arthur Smith team's ever thrown. <laughs> so we don't, we don't really know. And if I would, pro, I will definitely alter my um, Falcons projections. If they take Kyle Pitts as early as there's talk that they might, he said they really seem to like him and they don't add a running back in the second round. Um, then yeah, it'll be a big change. Okay, yeah, I think whether pick. they add another running back is a big part of it. They have the fourth pick. They could potentially trade down. If they're not going quarterback, but uh, all right. So that that'll explain right. That, that'll explain the differences in the Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley projections, where Chris is just a lot higher on the two Falcons yeah, guys. It's a pass attempts thing. I actually went and ran my projections with the number of pass attempts that Chris has projected. And I had Ryan one spot higher than Chris does. I had Ridley like two or three spots higher, and I had Julio a couple spots higher. So okay. I actually like the Falcons more than Chris. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, so then, uh, all right, we'll go quick on this. We've talked about Daniel Jones the last few weeks, and I want to spend more time on the running backs anyway. But, Chris, you did have him 13th. But would you, if you were publishing rankings, would you have the guts to actually put Daniel Jones 13th? Heath has him 21st in his projections. Oh, no, I don't think I would. Um, <laughs> Good. And this is the kind of, you know, it's interesting. I'm looking at it and Heath has Daniel Jones rushing quite a bit more than I do. And rushing is more valuable for quarterbacks. I have Daniel Jones with more overall touchdowns, um, but it might just come down to Heath being a little higher on passing overall, you know, other quarterbacks. We Something that we've talked about off the air is, you know, Heath has Patrick Mahomes, I think, 30 to 40 pick uh, points higher than I do over the course of the season. And, um, you know, it, it, we both have him number one, but clearly I think Heath might be expecting more passing production overall. And, you know, it's interesting. That's something I'll have to look into. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that's probably a part of it because when I looked at the Falcons and I said, like whether you have them first or third, it was 639 attempts, I think over 17 games. And I think I have like four teams now at 650. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I might just be regressing to the league-wide mean a little more. All right. Well, enough about Daniel Jones. Late-round flyer. Uh, let's talk about the running backs here. And start, quarterback start with... 
Start with Jonathan Taylor. What's wrong with you guys? 14th? Shame. Um, yeah, this is like you asked the question about Chris's rankings, and I think I've got Jonathan Taylor 8th. Um, so I just kind of ignored my projection for him, <laughs> which is not something I like. If it doesn't change by the time we get to July, I'll probably slide Taylor down just a little bit more. Um, it's, I think for me, it's mostly a PPR thing. And it's, I didn't really like that they brought back Marlon Mack. I think he'll touch the ball a little bit. I expect Naeem Hines to still have a pretty big impact. Um, I've got him 10th and non PPR. Um, it's also like, I can see what happened the last six games and get very excited about it but I make a pretty conscious effort to not overweight what happens in the second half of the season because there's no evidence that that's more predictive of what's going to happen the next year. And so I think that's probably a lot of it as well. Yeah, we both have him 10th and non-PPR, 14th and PPR, which I would imagine is still a little bit lower than um, where the consensus will be or where Dave and Jamie have him. But yeah, when you're talking about PPR rankings, this is something that's consistent for me across the board. It's just really hard to get around the math problem with Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Jonathan Taylor, maybe Kamar, uh, Cam why, Akers. Why are you putting Taylor there? Because he had 36 catches in 15 games. He's not a 15-catch guy. At least he wasn't last year. No, I don't think he's a 15-catch guy, but we're talking about you know the guys who are being ranked in the top 10. Um, you know, For me, it's... You know, I got a couple of guys in the 90 range, but 65, 55, 58, 50, 19, Derrick Henry. Okay. 64, 54. You know, I have him at least 10 below pretty much everyone inside the top 10 in receptions. And so, you know, once you start working from that, it's not just the 10 PPR points from those receptions. It's the, you know, 80 to 90 yards. It's the, you know, maybe half a touchdown. And so you start adding this up and, you either have to project him for, you know, an outlier touchdown total, which I have 9.4 rushing touchdowns. That's a lot. Um, but not really. For a projection, it is. All right. You know, it's not. I, I, I think I'd take the over. I think people are expecting that, you know, you, you expect your first round running backs. And you guys probably don't have them in the first round of PPR. If you do, it's late. And I've, well, not at 14th amongst running backs. Right. Okay. But that's still, it's still like. Well, how many Top running 20. backs? How many running backs had more than? Wait a second! Wait a second! Wait a second! Last season. Wait a second! Wait a second! You don't have him fourteenth. You have him fourteenth. Your projections, Heath. You have right. Him, what, well, right, right, but that's, you're, we're talking about the projected touchdown total. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just think that the appeal of Jonathan Taylor is touchdowns. Um, I think that's part of the appeal. Yeah. But yeah. So how many project touchdowns? How many running backs do you think had more than nine point four touchdowns last season? Five or six? Eight. Eight? It's just, it's it's pretty rare. You've got to stay healthy the whole season, pretty much. You've got to... Well, but the, but we're, these projections are all 17 games. <laughs> it's so weird. Sure, They're sure. all everybody staying um, healthy. I, I think it's... Is it fair to say that if he stays healthy, he he has a good chance? I don't know. He should, he should be among the leaders in rushing touchdowns. Um... Among the top 10 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I've got him eighth projected in touchdowns at 11.7. I want to bring this up. This is this is going to be a recurring theme with a lot of these year two guys, Taylor and Dobbins 
and Akers in particular, right? Am I forgetting someone? Robinson catches balls. DeAndre Swift obviously does. Gibson does. Yeah. Um, the last two years, so this is the pattern of 50 catch. You, you hear me talk about 50 catch running backs all the time. Typically, if you're going to be a top five running back, you got to get to 50 catches, except last year was, was a bit of an exception. Um, but here are the amount of 50 catch running backs the last six seasons. Starting in 2015, eight, then 11, then 14, then 16 in 2018, and then 13 in 2019, and then only eight last year. And if you just look at top 12 running backs, top 12 finishes in 2017 and 2018, there were only two each year that finished top 12 with fewer than 50 catches. Four total in 2017, 2018. 2019 and 20, there were 13 running backs, including eight last year, that finished top 12 in PPR with fewer than 50 catches. I don't really know what to make of it. Um, uh, the, the trend that's going down now for two straight years of 50 catch running backs, is it maybe that teams are just using committees more? Um, I don't know. Um, teams have thrown less to their running backs the past two years. Like it's not just individual running backs. It's they, they, they've just thrown fewer, a lower percentage of their passes to them. Well, and it's interesting. It was eight last season, but it was like Dalvin Cook with 44 and 14 games. It was Aaron Jones with 47 and 14 games. It was yeah. James Robinson with 49 and 14. There's always going to be that, but yeah, you're right. There were there were close calls. And we had Barkley and McCaffrey hurt. We did. Um, yeah, but that's an interesting thought, though. That not a thought, but you just said that teams are throwing less to their running back. So should that matter less when you're doing at least your rankings, not, not necessarily your projections, but your rankings, should that matter less the, the catches? No, cause it's all relative. Like I have cam acres 2019th in targets at running back. I have Jonathan Taylor 30th, which might be too low, but uh, it's 52. It's not really that much different from what he had last season. And, I'm not sure Carson Wentz is going to throw to his running backs more than Phillip Rivers did. I would expect it'll be a little less per pass. So, um, you know, I, I think ultimately it's still all relative. Like I, I have 18 running backs getting to at least 49.4 receptions. That's, you know, it's not going to be that many. But when that's what you're projecting, obviously a lot of guys will come up short. But when that's what you're projecting, when you have a guy for 40, that it just, you know, it's hard to make up that gap, especially, I don't know about Heath's ranking, but my rankings are the, the gaps between number 21 and number 10 are like less than a point per game, I think, or 1.1 point per game between number 10 and number 21. So it's also, mm. you know, within that group, there's a lot of room to move. Okay, speaking of which, Clyde Edwards Zelayer, 10th for Chris, 18th for Heath. Heath, uh, 18, yeah, like I said, 18th on CEH. Chris has him 10th. You get the first word, Heath. Yeah, and I've got him like two points per game worse than Jonathan Taylor. So that's not uh, not necessarily the case here. Um, I'm just not like, there was some soul searching after the end of the season with the way that we elevated Clyde Edwards Hilaire just because he was the last pick of the first round and he was an Andrew Reed running back. And I didn't think going into the draft that he was near as good as Jonathan Taylor or DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins. And he wasn't really. I mean, 
he had a good start to the season in terms of the number of touches they were giving him and the yards he was compiling, but he wasn't necessarily doing a lot of great things. And then the Chiefs brought in Le'Veon Bell, and then in the playoffs, the Chiefs split his touches with Daryl Williams. And so I'm just not really convinced. We've got the, the sample with Andy Reid specifically in Kansas City is getting pretty murky on whether he wants to have a committee or he wants to have a true feature back. And I'm just not convinced that Clyde Edwards Hilaire, with the questions he had before the draft, is a true feature back. Yeah, I mean, when Damian Williams was healthy, like it was a committee, but he was playing enough to be, you know, an elite fantasy running back. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, he was in a committee towards the second half of the season, but how much of that was because of that hip and ankle injury that he suffered, you know, in the, in the postseason, I think that was a lot of it. Um, Agreed. Yeah. You know. Cause he, cause he really was the guy in the Super Bowl when he had an extra week to heal. But, but to Heat's point, I don't know, Damian Williams going in the beginning of the 2019 season, it was a really annoying committee and it was disappointing. And he got hurt early too. But like, even just look at week one, it was like, wow, that was disappointing. He, he averaged 12.8 touches per game that season. Damian Williams. Right, and, but there were like he was not healthy for most of the season. Um, he's a different animal though, because he's not, he's just not a proven thing. He's not a guy well, they took in the first round. Yeah, yeah I mean, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. I, I think you know, funny enough, it it does come down to to receptions again. This in in this instance, I have him rushing for, uh, you know, uh, eighty more yards. But I think the biggest difference is, um, you know, I have him for nearly ten more receptions and. uh about a hundred more receiving yards. And I think that's a big part of it is I just think, um, you know, when he was healthy, there were signs that they wanted to use him in the running game, in the receiving game down the field. I think they probably will not have uh, quite as much of a concentration in their top targets. And so I just think there's a little bit of room for him to grow as a receiver. Let's go to James White. Heath, you have him 29th and Chris has James White 43rd. Uh, go ahead, Heath. 29th. Hi, guy. Uh, James White and your projections. We have lost Heath's microphone. Heath, you are, you are muted. Heath is I am, mute. I am back. Hey, I talked about April this uh, last week. And the Patriots, despite the fact they didn't throw the ball at all, still led all teams in the percentage of their throws that went to running backs. 29.3%. I don't think... With the weapons they went out and added, they intend on throwing the ball 420 times again this year. So I am kind of expecting White's share of the targets to remain pretty close to the same, but for there to be more targets to go around. And I think this is probably one of those situations where if I've got him projected for 62 catches, if you catch 60 passes, it's hard to not be a top 30 running back. Yeah. Solid yeah. point. Yeah, I have him for lower usage across the board, pretty much. I think 10 fewer catches and like 25 to 30 fewer carries. So I think that's, uh, I just have him with a smaller role in the offense all around. Um, you know, that I think, I, I agree they're going to throw the ball more, but I would think given Cam Newton's style, if they have more weapons, that share of running back targets will go down. That would be my expectation. Sorry, I had a sneeze there. You guys didn't hear that, did you? I, I think I muted my mic on time. No, I, 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 had, to, I had to sneeze too, and I muted, and then I forgot to sneeze. Oh, right. Okay, I'm back. I'm back. Okay, um, wide receivers then. Let's talk about some wide receivers here. How about Michael Thomas? 
Chris, you have him <laughs> second in your projections, and Heath has Michael Thomas 11th. And we don't even know I, who his quarterback's going to be. I'm almost certain that, and this was, I, I thought this before I even looked it up, but it's, I'm projecting Jameis Winston as the starter. Heath's projecting Taysom Hill as the starter. Uh, I would imagine if he projected Jameis Winston as the starter, uh, Michael Thomas would move up quite a bit because I would think that would add 100 pass attempts to their projection probably. Yeah, I think that's fair. And you know, um, Hill did target Michael Thomas heavily last season. He had like a 40% target. Uh, 32, 30... I think it was 38% or something. It was not. It was 32.5. And the four starts... Hill yes. 32.5, 41%, 41% of his yards. Okay. Um, Am I what, Heath? Uh, are we we're looking all Taysom Hill throws or just no. the games that Drew Brees didn't play? Just those four starts. Okay. okay. Um, so, yeah, I have Michael Thomas right up there with the league leaders and targets with Jameis Winston as a starter. I think he was like sixth or seventh with Taysom Hill as the starter. Um, I just, I don't see any reason, like, I don't think there's any reason to think Michael Thomas can't be, you know, one of the best receivers in football again. I think last season for most of the time that he was healthy, he, he still looked like that guy. There was a a low touchdown rate. There were a couple of weeks where he wasn't healthy, but what's that? Zero touchdowns. Yes. Like I said, a low touchdown (laughs) rate. Um, I, Chris, I think he's, I think he might be the best value in fantasy. I, I don't understand what's what people, I mean, I get it. If Taysom Hill's the quarterback, but even if he doesn't have a 32% target share, I well, would I think he would who, even if, if Taysom Hill's the quarterback, I think he would have an elite target. Like right. A, exactly. Truly, I mean, wouldn't he be among the lead leaders in target share? I think absolutely. Who else do they have? Uh, yeah. Even if they draft a rookie, who else do they have? He's going to get every target. He's going to catch Alvin it. Kamara. Yeah, whatever. He's going to get, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, they do have Alvin Kamara, but come on. Yeah. He's still like, he's still going to well, dominate. I'm higher on targets. Alvin Kamara too. Than Heath is, but I think with with Michael Thomas, part of it is also thing. I think with Jameis Winston as his quarterback, you know, Michael Thomas has historically been a pretty low touchdown rate guy. I think that would be different with Jameis Winston as his quarterback. I have him with a lower catch rate than he usually does, but I think there would be more downfield throws with Jameis Winston for Michael Thomas, and I think he could be a a more efficient receiver while still having an an incredibly valuable role in the offense. So. Um, yeah, I think the, the the sky's the limit. Heath, why are you lower on the Seahawks receivers, Metcalf and Lockett? Chris has I, them. Oh, you're higher. Chris yeah. has them 15th and 17th. Heath has them 9th and 10th. Met, not a huge difference, but uh, just obviously. Is that a pass attempts thing again? You're higher on the Seahawks guys? About a 40%, a 40 pass difference there, which might explain a lot of it. That could be enough, really. I mean, I'm always higher on Tyler Lockett than just about everyone. And the, I think the point you make about the per-game thing is interesting. It's it's something I wish we could come to some sort of compromise on because I agree that per-game is more valuable than total finish, but it's also relative. Like, Tyler Lockett's been in the league and for seven seasons and never missed a game. His per game is more valuable than someone who plays eleven games every season. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but we don't I, I, have I any to, way. I didn't mean to disparage him when I said that. What, Heath, if you missed it, what Heath is referring to is I said uh, per game he's been two of the last three years has actually been outside the top twenty. I think last year he was sixteenth per game. So you know he he plays sixteen games. When you play sixteen games, you're going to finish higher than your per game average. 
but uh, he's more valuable. He has been more valuable than like the 22nd best wide receiver for sure. And, and the thing when you're talking about projections and I'm sure Heath does the same thing, we're projecting for the whole season. We're not like, Oh, I think Tyler Lockett's going to miss a game. So I'm only going like, to, we're, we're just projecting as if everyone plays a full season. And so Tyler Lockett playing 17 games and finishing with 14.9 PPR points per game. He's going to finish higher than 17th. If he does that, he'll probably finish. If he scores 252.6 PPR points is what I have him for. He'll finish a lot higher than 17 because a lot of guys will miss games. But for me, part of, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the projections. It's more of a philosophical thing is I don't feel particularly confident that we have really any good way of knowing who's more likely to miss games in the following season. Like I think uh, missed games in the past are a better predictor of future injuries is a useful heuristic, but I think um, it's not, it's not at all a steadfast rule. And, and this is something I get yelled at a lot in the baseball podcast because I always like Giancarlo Stanton and then everyone gets mad when he gets hurt. Uh-oh. I think you should make an exception to your rule for Giancarlo Stanton. <laughs> well, no, I, I think th- th- that exception <laughs> word is like, I don't think a lot of the versus defense stuff is particularly helpful. helpful. But I think the three best defenses are generally really impactful and the three worst match or worst defenses are generally impactful. So I think you can kind of do the same thing with injuries for the most part. Injury prone is not very helpful unless you're talking about someone like Will Fuller. I did cut you off though, Heath. I'm sorry. So by the way, Will Fuller stayed healthy. He just got suspended. Uh, <laughs> what were you trying? What were you saying about Lockett and the compromise between per game and whatnot? Cause you do have him in your top 10. Projected. No, I, and that does, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the top 10. I just, like, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf and Russ are going to get a huge percentage of Russell Wilson's pass attempts, and I don't think the Seahawks defense is good enough to go back to what Russell Wilson was five years ago, and I can't imagine they want to do that anyway because it's going to be his last year in Seattle if they do. Um, so I just I think they'll stay not what they were the first half of last year, but close to what they were for the full year. What I was saying with the other thing was just that like we need some sort of compromise between those two numbers. I mean, that's why I give them both. People can decide what they want to right. use. Yeah. And I'll throw one more thing out there. I think part of it, me being lower on Lockett and Metcalf is relative because our overall projections are pretty similar. But there are a at least three or four wide receivers ahead of well. We know too, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, who I have higher. Um, but I think DJ Moore, uh, Robert Woods, and Cooper Cup, at least I'm all higher on than Heath. And so they, two of them move Metcalf down a couple spots in addition to Julio and Ridley. So I think that might be it as well. As I'm just, I'm a little higher on a couple of other guys too. Okay, I'm going to give you guys 10 seconds each on our next topic, and we're going to take a break, and then we're going to finish with your emails and your Apple podcast questions. Literally 10 seconds. Heath, you are very low on Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith in your projections. Chris is much higher. Chris has them ninth and 11th, respectively. Henry and Smith, you have them 24th and 23rd. I don't like, I do think that the Patriots are going to throw the ball more, but I don't think Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith are, are Rob Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, and Cam Newton is not Tom Brady. And I don't think there's enough volume to support both. And they're both basically getting the same deal. Oh, sorry. That was supposed to be. You're out of time. Chris, go ahead. 10 seconds. Uh, I have Jonu and Henry leading the team in target share at 19 and 20%. Respectively, Ooh. Heath has them, at, has them at 13. 
even with those high target shares, they are outside of my top 10 and they'll likely uh, be lower than the consensus. But yeah. Okay. That was good. That was very good. Uh, okay. Heath's face says it all. Uh, we're going to take a break. During the break, we're going to discuss if we are all wearing the same color shirt. Very, very similar. We'll let you know right <laughs> after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where the roommates It is a huge night. the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Welcome back. The final four is on Saturday. You may be wondering, how, I, how do I actually watch these games? Go to the CBS Sports app on your connected TV or phone, and from there you'll see every tournament game available to watch. Think of it like a gateway to all the action, so download the CBS Sports app, app now so you never miss a minute of the NCAA tournament. Apple Podcast questions. Thank you all for your reviews. We really appreciate it. Keep them coming. We'll read them on the show once a week. This is from Core2186. I am the commissioner of a league going on season five together, but we want to spice it up a bit and make it a keeper league. Unsure what a first-year keeper league should look like. Thoughts? One keeper, two keepers, only rookies, which rounds, etc. Heath? If you want to dip your toe in, I would say two keepers, um, no round cost. You can't keep anybody drafted in the first two rounds. Okay. That works. Yeah. Uh, this is from Matt from a city who's lost the NFL twice. St. Louis, Oakland, Oakland. Oakland? I would, yeah. yeah, Oakland. I think uh, St. Louis has lost it twice. Have they? They lost the Rams and the Cardinals, right? That makes sense. Speaking of St. Louis Cardinals, happy opening day, everybody. Twelve PPR Superflex Dynasty League. I need a quarterback, a running back, and a top tier wide receiver. Okay. I have 101, 102, and 110. Remember, it's Superflex, so he's taking Lawrence. Who should I start at 102 and 110? He needs a quarterback, which will be taken care of, a running back, and a top-tier wide receiver. I would say target a running back at a top-tier wide receiver. <laughs> You're going running back at two, and probably Harris. Um, I, think, I think most likely the number one running back will make the same mistake we did last year, and it's going to be whoever the Falcons take. Now, can you say actually take a wide receiver with the second pick? Figure by the time you get to the third pick, you'll have definitely two running backs off the board. That's four with Lawrence and and the wide receiver you take at the second pick. Maybe four more quarterbacks in a super flex league. And then you might get the fourth best running back in the draft, which would be really good. I'm not 100% sure it shouldn't just be two quarterbacks at the top. He says he needs quarterbacks. And so, you know, if you could get Lawrence and if Justin Fields ends up with the 49ers, like I would gladly take those two guys at the top of the draft. And you figure in a super flex league, 
you're probably going to have one of Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase, or Jalen Waddle falling to you at 10. Possible. All right, those are some options for you. Uh, from TitansFan8830, 10-team Superflex, I have 101 in this year's rookie draft. Burrow is my QB1. Locke is my Superflex. Do I take Trevor Lawrence or try to trade the pick for a quarterback? I'm not too excited about Drew Locke. I think trading down, if you can get to like three or four and see if you can get a quarterback as well. Like a quarterback who you could start this year, um, you know, like a Ryan Tannehill or something. I'm digging Lawrence. Okay. That's fine. And I have no problem with it. <laughs> no name on this one, but hello, Jesse, Walter, Gus, and Mike. Breaking bad. How early would you feel feel comfortable taking Kyle Pitts in the rookie drafts in tight end premium leagues? It is PPR with tight end premium. I feel like he's going to be an overdrafted no matter what. Um, rookie tight ends. Like, I know he's special. He's different. But, like, rookie tight ends are almost never good. Um. But I think in a tight end premium, it's still got to be like top three. I wrote those exact words Chris said in the opposite order (laughs) Um, in my Dynasty mailbag today about how um, rookie tight ends are almost never good, but Kyle Pitts is different. Um, But like the thing is, the most different tight end ever, and I think this is including Kyle Pitts, I like I will, Vernon Davis is the most different tight end of all time, just in terms of physical ability. Like, there's been nobody like him ever. He wasn't that good his first couple of seasons. OJ Howard. Uh, but <laughs> he, I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> but did, like, he didn't average ninety yards per game in the SEC and score one and a half touchdowns per game. The SEC did, is like a defensive joke. And co- college football, we just saw the two best seasons ever. LSU and Alabama are probably the two best offenses in college football history. So I am not a buff, but it's not like the SEC of old. Well, uh, yeah, like Vernon Davis had a, a 95th percentile dominator rating. He averaged 17 yards per catch. Um, he was amazing. Kyle Pitts has literally like they had to change the metric for wingspan at tight end because he has now the longest wingspan ever at tight yes. end. Uh Longest wingspan ever in the combine era for a wide receiver or tight end. Uh, he had a lower college dominator rating than Vernon Davis did, for what it's worth. By the way, are we all wearing the same color? Very. It similar. looks like it. Yeah. Some sort of gray. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very similar. Okay. Uh, emails. This is from Kevin. Oh, baseball email. Dear Juan, Stephen, Max, and Victor. Now it's on to football. Twelve-team PPR league. I can keep one player at the end of each year. One quarterback league with two flex spots. Deontay Johnson in the eighth or Dallas Goddard in the 15th round? And be Deontay for me. Yeah, I'm going to go Deontay too. From Garrett, who wins this trade? 12-team dynasty, half PPR. Team A, Juju Smith-Schuster and pick 104. Or team B, Gus Edwards, Michael Thomas, and 205. Uh I know my answer. I want to hear Chris's answer. My gut reaction is Michael Thomas. Just he's no, I guess in dynasty he's 28, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. I probably go a Juju and, and one Oh four. 
Yeah, I think the difference between 104 and 205 is is quite a bit bigger than the difference between Thomas and Juju. From Miles, 12-team PPR Dynasty League. Uh, I traded George Kittle. I traded, yeah, George Kittle after his injury for Evan Ingram and the 103 pick this year. I fell short of the championship, but is 103 too high for Kyle Pitts? He has Evan Ingram, uh, but is 103 too high? Do your drafts after the draft, first off. Hopefully all you people are, and we're just talking about like potential because there is that little minor sliver thing where Pitts could get classified as a wide receiver by the team that drafts him, and that would be not great. Um, but I think it's like if, I, if he's a top 10 or 11 pick and you don't hate the fit and he's a tight end, I think he's fine as number three. I think it's fine. Okay, from Scott. Half PPR, keeper league. Keep three, Josh Allen, Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Stefan Diggs, Darren Waller, Chris Godwin. With no penalties, I would go Kamara, Diggs, and Waller. I'd go Kamara, Taylor, Diggs. Okay, from Matt. Dear Ray, Terrell, Peter, and Bart. That's Ravens linebackers, right? Oh. Well done. Yeah. I thought there was commissioners. I couldn't think of what commissioner was named Terrell. That's what I was thinking too. Uh, Twelve-team I mean, dynasty league. Well, who, wait. Oh, I don't want to embarrass myself, so I'm not going to say it out loud. Twelve-team dynasty PPR league. Should I trade James Robinson and Keenan Allen for T. Higgins and Ezekiel Elliott? James Robinson and Keenan Allen for Higgins and Zeke. He's trying to win this year. Trying to win this year? He says he feels close uh, to competing. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think... Uh, I mean, we'll see what the what the Jaguars do in the draft, but if they don't bring in anyone else, I think Robinson and Allen is better than Higgins and Zeke. Um, I'm I'm going to reverse myself. Like, I think Keenan's quite a bit better than Higgins this year, but for dynasty purposes, I, I have them pretty much back-to-back, and I've got Zeke slightly ahead of Robinson, so I'm going to go I'm going to go the Higgins-Zeke side, although I don't think it's necessarily going to make you better this year. Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't listening to the dynasty part. Sorry, Adam. <laughs> I wasn't okay. trying to be rude. I just, that's how I am. It's by my nature. I, by the way, Peter is Peter Bulware. I don't feel that stupid for not remembering that, but of course uh, Peter Okay, Boulware. so I got that right. I, yeah. I thought I, I was starting to think I was the dumb one. No, no, I just couldn't think of who Peter was, but Peter Bulware. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for your emails and your Apple Podcast questions. Great stuff. Really appreciate it. Sorry we spent so much time on cereal, but also not sorry about that. We will talk to you, unless there's breaking news, we will talk to you on Monday. Check out Fantasy Football Today in 5 for some NFL Draft wide receiver prospect profiles. We talked about Smith and Waddle and Chase, and then that was on Thursday's show. On Friday's show, we talked about a few more awesome ones. So enjoy that. For Chris and Heath, I'm Adam. Have a great weekend. See you. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.